The Democrats and the mainstream media, so essentially the left, actually like what's happening right now in Ukraine. They do. They actually like what's happening in Ukraine. Now you might be thinking, well, Liz, they don't like death. The left are bad people. Some of them are even evil, but don't go so far as to say they like death. Okay, I can take that point. Now, what I'm saying here is not that they like death. I understand that a lot of them don't necessarily like death. What they are okay with, though, they're okay. The left and the Democrats and the mainstream media don't mind exploiting a crisis, even a crisis that involves mass casualties like what's happening in Ukraine, in order to serve their own agenda. That is what the left is doing right now. They, they don't mind whatever the crisis may be. They will use it to exploit their own agenda. In fact, on Tuesday night, Biden said during his State of the Union address, this was kind of like the line in his speech, I thought, which was the most overlooked. I thought it was really critically important and not a lot, there wasn't a lot of coverage of it, but this is what Biden said. He said, quote, we are the only nation who has turned every crisis we faced into an opportunity. And I thought, well, that sounds just like Rahm Emanuel never let a crisis go to waste. That's certainly been the Biden administration's thesis or their slogan or their modus operandi during this first year of their administration. They are fine with pinning on Ukrainian colors on their lapels during the State of the Union. They are fine with changing their profile picture on Twitter to Ukrainian flag. They are fine with that kind of virtue signaling, which is contradictory, by the way, of the Biden administration's actual actions leading up to Ukraine. They could have prevented, Biden could have prevented Ukraine or Putin from invading Ukraine. That's neither here nor there for this purpose. What I'm saying is the mainstream media and the left actually like when there are crises so severe, so traumatizing, so emotionally draining that we, the American people, are more likely not to notice anything else that's going on around us. It allows them crises like this and being obsessive about crises like what's happening in Ukraine, allow them to skate past news stories, developments, or corruption that would otherwise expose their radical leftist agenda. This is what we're going to talk about today because the, the particular things that have happened over the course of the past six days, if you set Russia and Ukraine aside, are actually shocking. And I don't say that to be hyperbolic. I work, I work with news, around news all the time. I see a lot of bad things happen, a lot of dramatic things. Th this stuff is actually legitimately shocking. And yet, because the Democrats are fine exploiting Russia and Ukraine, you probably haven't heard a single word about it. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. Now, there's no reason big tech should censor this. And <laughs> I'm talking directly to big tech censors. There's no reason big tech should censor this because this is not my opinion. This is not advocacy in any way, shape, or form. This is certainly not disinformation, misinformation, or malinformation, unless you consider a report direct from the hands of Pfizer themselves to be misinformation, disinformation, or malinformation. So there's literally no possible explanation for any kind of censorship on big tech. Again, just, just so we can speak directly to the big tech censors, whose job it is to watch this show. This is one of the most shocking documents that I've seen in a long time, and I'm going to read it to you directly in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Cozy Earth. So I got home from traveling this past weekend, and my husband was not on this trip with me. But when I got home, he had changed our bed sheets. He put clean sheets on because, you know, nothing feels better after um, you travel than taking a shower, washing that gross airplane off of yourself, and then getting climbing into bed in clean sheets. And he put our new Cozy Earth sheets on the bed. And let me tell you, they were heavenly. I slept like a baby. But 
Not everyone can say the same thing. One out of three Americans report being sleep deprived. Well, your sheets could be part of the problem here. The wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute and freezing the next. There is a solution though. Cozy Earth Sheets. They provide the softest, most luxurious, and best temperature regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud. Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's Most Favorite Things list four years in a row. They're made of uh, super soft bamboo. Cozy Earth Sheets breathe so you sleep at the perfect temperature all year round. And with thousands of five-star reviews, including mine, of course, it's no wonder that Cozy Earth Sheets have become the bedding of choice for interior designers and celebrities. You can save 35% on Cozy Earth bamboo bedding. Just go to CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. Now you gotta hurry. This offer ends soon. That's CozyEarth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5. Cozy Earth earth.com slash Liz 35. Okay, so this Pfizer document, this is the title of it. The title of it is Cumulative Analysis of Post-Authorization Adverse Event Reports for their number, but it's the Pfizer COVID vaccine received through the 28th of February, 2021. Now, a couple of things. So remember, these are adverse effects that are being recorded after the US government has already authorized this vaccine. So I mean, that's a, a signal, a red flag in and of itself. This is this is through last February, February 28th, 2021. So one year ago, these were side effects that Pfizer knew about. Now, they knew about this. Um, and yet every page of this document is marked confidential. Every page of this document, it says this report is re- prepared by Worldwide Safety, at Pfizer. This is a quote from them. The information contained in this document is proprietary and confidential. Any disclosure, reproduction, distribution, or other dissemination of this information outside of Pfizer, its affiliates, its licensees, or regulatory agencies is strictly prohibited, except as may be otherwise agreed to in writing, by accepting or reviewing these materials, you agree to hold such information in confidence and not to disclose it to others, except where required by applicable law, nor to use it for unauthorized purposes. Now, my friends, does this not sound like something that we really, really, really want to see? Every time there are disclaimers at the beginning of a document like that, it makes me think, oh man, do I want to read this. So the reason that it's now been made public, this is one of the documents that Pfizer wanted to hide from us for the next 70 years. They wanted the government to allow them to keep this document secret for 70 years until basically we're all dead. Um, Fortunately, They have not been allowed to do this. And so we are allowed to see this document, which is stamped literally everywhere with big confidential stamps. So it's about 38 to 40 pages long. But the relevant part is page 30. If you just scroll down the document to page 30, you'll see the heading says Appendix 1, List of Adverse Events of Special Interest. And then look at this, my friends. Look at how many side effects, adverse effect, adverse events were recorded before the end of February of last year. Now, our public health officials told us this vaccine is perfectly safe. There are very few people for whom this vaccine is contraindicated. You will not get hurt. It's very, very rare. Ignore any stories, anecdotal stories that you hear about this. You will be fine. This is what our public health officials told us. Meanwhile, Pfizer knew this. They knew that, I mean, look at some of these side effects, epilepsy, lupus, seizures, encephalitis, that's swelling of the brain, for those who don't know, acute kidney injury, acute myocardial infarction, acute respiratory failure, anaphylactic shock, thrombosis of all different kinds, by the way, that is a blood clot, arthritis, asymptomatic COVID-19. Oh, you can get COVID-19 from the COVID-19 vaccine. We were specifically told that that could not happen. Yet Pfizer and their document says it, in fact, can. Autoimmune anemia, 
this stuff is nuts. I mean, that's about what, 10 things that I wrote? 10 things. If you look at this, if you look at this document, it's shocking. It's shocking. It essentially admits that you can, this vaccine can cause you to miscarry your baby. This can cause you to die in any number of truly horrific ways. It can trigger autoimmune issues. It's certainly, there's blood clots out the wazoo of all different kinds here. Um, organ injuries. I mean, this is nasty, nasty stuff. This is the kind of stuff that in order for people to have informed consent about, they need to understand first the risk of COVID-19. What is COVID-19? What is what is the individual risk? What's the infection fatality rate based on different risk factors? Are there anything, is there anything you can do to mitigate those risks if you already contract COVID-19? And then you compare that, you weigh that information against, okay, what is this vaccine? What is the effectiveness rate on it? What are the risks? What can it harm? What harm can it bring? You have to be able, in order to give your informed consent to this kind of medical procedure, you have to be able to understand the pros and the cons. The pros and the cons that Pfizer was well aware about, they had it documented in this document that they didn't want to release for 70 years. They wanted to hide it from us until our grandchildren are literally adults. And when I say our grandchildren, I'm 32. So I'm talking about my grandchildren. 70 years, we're gonna be long dead in 70 years. They knew about this. And what's worse, if Pfizer knew about this, that means our public health officials, that means Fauci, which means that the Biden administration knew about this and they hid this from the American people. Now, like I said, there is absolutely no reason that big tech should censor me in any way, shape or form just because I'm talking about a vaccine. We're allowed to talk about vaccines. We're allowed to say that word. We're allowed to discuss it. Especially when we're reading from a Pfizer document. In fact, this should, this should be some impetus for big tech to roll back some of their censorship standards about the discussions that we have about the vaccine, given the fact that Pfizer themselves is, has admitted all of these adverse effects that events that happened after the FDA authorized this vaccine. If you're, I mean, if you're as shocked as I am, now there's a difference between being shocked and being surprised. Stuff like this is never gonna surprise me because I expect it, but it always shocks me because it's so corrupt, it's so dangerous, it's so horrifying that they're doing this so blatantly that they tried to hide this for decades. Now, let me just show you a chart here. This is also from the US government. The chart wasn't created by the US government, but the data that informed the chart was created by the, by the US government. This is all-cause mortality in our nation. Now, all-cause mortality is exactly what it sounds like. It's the number of people that die on any given you know, week or month or year. It's the average number of people we expect to die. And as you can see, there's a baseline. That's the number we expect to die. Then there's a little excess mortality. If, you know, if something happens and more people die a certain winter, maybe we have a bad flu strain. There's a little bit of an elevated excess mortality. And then we have, then we have where we are. Now look at those lines that you're seeing on the screen right now. Look at them. Look at that blue line. That is the percentage excess that we are experiencing. The percentage, the number of deaths greater than what we would expect. We are 20% higher in all-cause mortality than we expect at the baseline. Now look at that red line. So the solid blue line is where we are. The solid red line is what they call a substantial increase. And the green, the green filler is within normal range, right? Because baseline, you can have a little variation. It's not gonna be the exact same number of people that die every year. We are way, way above normal range. And it's not just from COVID-19. 
if you do the math, the number of people who have died from COVID-19, which I know there are many questions about how COVID-19 deaths have been counted. And I, I was one of the first. I have been for two years, one of the loudest voices saying, well, wait a second, wait a second. How exactly are we categorizing? How are we billing COVID-19 deaths? Is this actually reflective of COVID-19? Or if you combined um, previous year's counts of flu and ILI, influenza-like illnesses, other respiratory viruses, other coronaviruses, you know, exactly how many excess, how much excess death is happening because of COVID-19 itself versus just other respiratory, serious respiratory illnesses in vulnerable populations. I have questioned how we've counted COVID-19 deaths since the beginning. And even even if you count COVID-19 deaths the way that Biden is counting them, which I think is ridiculous, all-cause mortality is higher than that. It's higher than could account for just COVID-19 deaths. Now, I'm not going to... um, (laughs) I'm not going to draw any conclusions here because I don't need to draw any conclusions here. We can... You can draw conclusions just from the data itself. The U.S. government supplied this data and Pfizer supplied the documents that show the very serious adverse events that have been recorded post-authorization of the COVID-19 vaccine. This is what I mean when I say that the Democrats and the mainstream media and the left actually love what's happening in Ukraine. They don't necessarily love the death. I'm not saying that. They do love that people are obsessed with watching it. They do love that it's a crisis to the extent that Pfizer can release this report and all-cause mortality, a chart like that, can be released. And it won't go viral because people are all looking at the war. Democrats love that because this is their worst nightmare for you and I to understand the reality of what we're facing from the public health establishment, from big pharma, and from politicians who are tied to the public health establishment and big pharma. They sneak this past us, or they try to sneak it past us. We're not going to let them do that. Another report was released this week, um, which is perhaps equally as shocking. Again, You probably won't hear anything else about it. I I actually did. Before this show, I spent a few minutes on search engines, on Google, actually, looking to see what kind of um, headlines that this next report garnered. And I'm going to tell you what I found in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Paint Your Life. Now, I love photographs. As I've mentioned before, I like to hang photographs from pretty much every aspect of my life around our house. I'm one of those people that has like 15,000 photos on my iPhone. And I like to print them and I like to hang them because they remind me of things that are meaningful. That is why I love Paint Your Life because you can take some of those photos and you can turn it into timeless art. You can have a professional artist actually paint a painting of the photo that you submit. And obviously this is such a meaningful gift. You don't always wanna give a photograph of yourself to someone else, but a painting of a meaningful moment, this is absolutely so meaningful. And when I first heard about it, I thought, well, it must be expensive, not so. It's very, very affordable. And at paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guarantee. Right now, as a limited time offer, you can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get the special offer, text the word Liz to 64,000. That's L-I-Z to 64,000. Paintyourlife.com helps you celebrate the moments that matter the most. Mandatory disclaimer here, message and data rates may apply. Terms also apply, available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. For the good deal, again, text L-I-Z, Liz to 64,000. Okay, so we had another report that came out this week. And I did a little cursory Google search to see how much the mainstream media was covering this. And let's just say, not a lot, not a lot. And what I'm talking about is the investigation into the Wisconsin election. Now, the presidential election in 2020, yes, 
Yes, we are going to talk about 2020 presidential elections. Um, the big tech censors are just going to go nuts on this episode. So what happened in Wisconsin is the assembly speaker named Robin Vos authorized the Office of the Special Counsel um, to investigate concerns about election integrity in 2020. Now, the Office of the Special Counsel is um, headed by a retired uh, state Supreme Court justice by the name of Michael Gableman. Gableman had released an interim report late last year. He's released a secondary report just this week. And the secondary report is quite telling, quite telling. Now, before I even get into what's in this report, I want to talk about something that's a little political. Uh, it's basically political gossip, right? But sometimes political gossip is very relevant. The political gossip, it's also juicy, which I don't know about you, but I find very entertaining. So former Attorney General Bill Barr is coming out with a new book uh, with a great title, by the way, super great title. Regardless of the content of the book, this is a very catchy title. It's called One Damn Thing After Another which I think actually is a throwback to a comment made by a staffer of President Gerald Ford. But you can fact check me on that if I have, um, if I get, got my historical reference wrong. I don't think I did. I think that's correct. But he named his book One Damn Thing After Another. He talks about serving in the Trump administration and in the administration of George H.W. Bush. But of course, the headlines are very sensational about this book because Barr hammers Trump in his book and he hammers him pretty hard, according to the excerpts. I have not read the entire book, which is like, I think 800 pages long, something insane. I don't know who's going to read it, that from start to finish. Um, but Bill Barr, in his book, according to the sensational headlines, made the following comments. He said, self-indulgence and lack of self-control cost Trump the 2020 election. He said, the absurd lengths, this is a direct quote, to which he, Trump, took his stolen election claim led to the rioting on Capitol Hill. Wow. Okay. He said, Trump has shown he has neither the temperament nor the persuasive powers um, to provide the kind of positive leadership that is needed. He's talking about whether Trump should be the nominee for 2024. And then he says the election was not stolen. Trump lost it. So my first reaction to this was, oh, he's going to, Bill Barr's pulling on John Bolton and that's too bad because Bill Barr, up until the very end, I thought Bill Barr was one of Trump's better staffing decisions. Trump wasn't the best at uh, choosing a competent staff to put around him. That was a disappointing part of Trump, something I had expected better of, that he that he did not do well. He did not do well. That's why he had turnover. He had some crazy people that worked for him. He had some people that didn't know what they were doing working for him. And it caused a lot of drama internally and externally. But Bill Barr, I thought, in general, for the most part, did a really good job. He wasn't worried about what the mainstream media thought of him. He'd already secured his legacy, cemented his legacy, and was truly working in the Trump administration to serve our country. And he's also kind of a curmudgeon, kind of blunt, kind of a dry sense of humor. I liked him up until up until the very end when he started taking, taking this viewpoint. And I think he's wrong. I, I'm not saying I think he, I'm not commenting actually on when I say he's wrong, I'm not talking about his take on whether Trump should be the nominee in 2024. We can do a whole episode on that if you guys are interested in my deep analysis of who should be the nominee in the 2024 Republican primary. And we can do that anytime. Now we can wait and do that a little bit closer. Um, but that comment is not the comment that I am referencing right now. The comments of Bill Barr's that I am referencing are where he says the election was not stolen, Trump lost it. This, I think, is an oversimplification of a really deep-seated problem in our election system. And so the reason that I started talking about this, this report from 
um, the special counsel in Wisconsin about the abnormalities in the Wisconsin election is because what Bill Barr is saying in his book that the election was not stolen, Trump lost it, it ties in. It's very important to go from the reports to Bill Barr, back to the back to the report, and then we'll get back to Bill Barr. So just give it, give me a second to give you the background on all of this. So we going back to the report for a second. Um, this retired Supreme Court Justice, State Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman, um, said specifically that the report that he is issuing is not is not intended to reanalyze or even relitigate the recount that happened in Wisconsin. And the intent of the report is also not to delegitimize or challenge the certification of the presidential election. So obviously the mainstream media headlines that I Googled are insinuating the opposite, that this report says that a Wisconsin former Supreme Court justice wants to decertify the presidential election. That's not true, actually, if you read, if you read the report. What the report does is identifies not just vulnerabilities, which we often talk about. You and I often talk about vulnerabilities like ballot harvesting, right? That when someone doesn't have, when there's not a chain of custody on a certain ballot, when a political operative has it away from the polling place and away from the eyes of the voter, that's not necessarily an act of fraud, but there's vulnerability for fraud because no one else is seeing what's happening to that ballot. So this this report, though, isn't talking about vulnerabilities. This report is identifying actual illegalities, things that are against the law that happened in Wisconsin in the 2020 presidential election. Really important thing. So the first illegal thing that Gableman identifies in his report is about Zuckerbucks, right? Zuckerbucks. So the payment of these funds to five counties in Wisconsin um, are illegal, according to Gableman, because they violate Wisconsin state law. It's actually statute 12.11. Any, any legal nerd who's interested in looking it up yourself always want to be able to um, give you the information to look it up yourself. That particular statute prohibits bribery. It makes it illegal if you offer anything of value. I mean, it's standard bribery. Offer anything of value to any person in order to induce any elector to go to the polls or vote. So if you pay someone off to cast a ballot, right? That's that's standard law. So when Zuckerberg gave $9 million to these five counties in, in Wisconsin, what happened in return was that that money was used in those districts um, for get-out-the-vote efforts, right? For get-out-the-votes efforts. So the grants were used for that reason, but then they were also used to pay for the drop boxes that were around Wisconsin. So you're not allowed to give money that induces someone else to vote. So Zuckerberg gave money that was used in an advertising campaign, essentially, that induced people to vote. This retired Supreme Court justice who's issuing this report says that constitutes bribery under this state statute in Wisconsin. It's also... Secondarily, it's also illegal for those drop boxes to to be used for people to put their votes into, which is, you know, what they are. Um, that's illegal in and of itself, because a an election code in the state of Wisconsin says it, it, it basically details how votes have to be cast, and it says that voters must themselves personally either mail or deliver deliver their ballot unless the law specifically authorized is an agent to act on the behalf of the voter. Um, that never happened with drop boxes. Drop boxes were never authorized in any way, shape, or form. So that's two illegalities that happened in Wisconsin right now, right there. 
Now, the third illegality was also related to Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, Priscilla Chan, giving this $9 million to these five counties in Wisconsin. Um, because do, by doing so, by giving this money to these five specific counties and not other ones, it violated equal protection. Now, what that means is that um, the money was targeting particular specific voters, right? That's that's what it means because it's in in the particular county. So it's it's voters that were in that that particular county, and it was targeting them for special voting privileges, like the ballot box or like the drop boxes that were not available other places. And what this does is it disadvantages other other voters who are located outside of those five counties. So that's a violation of equal protection. So now we have three things that happened in Wisconsin in the 2020 presidential election that were illegal, not just inadvisable, not just a vulnerability, but actually things that happened that were against the law, against the law. And that's not all. That's not all. So the money that Zuckerberg gave to these counties um, also came hand in hand with essentially democratic operatives. Now, the Center for Tech and Civic Life is the name of the organization. And this organization was in violation of the law. This is the actual quote from the report. They unlawfully administered aspects of the election because they embedded their operatives in the local government's election infrastructure or the administration of the local election, and that you're not allowed to do that. So that's illegality number four. Now, again, how did these things impact the election? That's an entirely different question. That's an entirely different question and one that we're actually not going to cover today. What we're covering today is how significant it is that actual illegalities were found. And the mainstream media and the left and the Democrats are glad that what's happening in Ukraine is happening in Ukraine because you're looking there instead of looking here. So we also have another illegality found by Gableman, the, the retired state Supreme Court justice. So the Wisconsin Election Commission um, gave what essentially was illegal direction, if you will, to election clerks um, telling them to ignore the law. The law meaning the election code, the election code as it pertains to nursing homes. So a very strange thing happened in nursing homes. In, 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 a, in a, a number of nursing homes in Wisconsin, um, 100%, 100% of the residents of those nursing homes voted in the 2020 election. That's utterly unrealistic. It's never happened before. It's beyond a red flag. And um, the Wisconsin Election Commission told clerks to ignore this red flag. That's an illegality. Um, there's also voter roll upkeep that is required in the state of Wisconsin because there are provisions that allow illegal aliens to get driver's licenses. Um, there is up constant upkeep of the voter rolls to make sure that illegal aliens who got driver's license aren't automatically registered to vote. And if they are, that their names are removed immediately. And this did not happen in the state of Wisconsin, which is in violation of state law. So as you can see, this is all really significant, significant illegality, significant law breaking that very easily could have impacted the outcome of an election. I mean, obviously, that's why we have election laws, so that we can have confidence in the outcome of elections. These election laws were completely violated, according to this report. And what's worse is government officials actually tried to stop Gableman's investigation. They refused to cooperate. They tried to throw as many roadblocks in as possible. In fact, there's still ongoing litigation where that 
is that Gableman is facing because he's trying to get information and cooperation from government officials who are refusing to take part in it. So again, we went from this report to the political gossip about Bill Barr trashing Trump back to this report. And I want to go back to Bill Barr for one second, because one of the things that he's not entirely incorrect about is when he talks about the way that Donald Trump was discussing concerns about election integrity, that was, that was very off-putting to some people because Trump at the time or even representatives of Trump like Giuliani were not being precise. They were making generalizations. They were intermingling different kinds of accusations, um, meaning there were accusations of procedural illegality, like what we're talking about here in Wisconsin. And then there were allegations of vulnerability for fraud. And those two things need to be separated. They must be separated because oftentimes when there is a vulnerability for fraud, we don't have tangible proof that fraud was actually committed in that particular election. We just know that it is an avenue that fraud can be committed. But there's a, di so there's a difference between that and between procedures, meaning election code that is part of state law that actually was violated. So what Bill Barr is correct about is when President Trump, in the wake of the 2020 election, was talking about election integrity, he intermingled the two things, the illegalities, the procedural illegalities, and the vulnerability for fraud. And by intermingling those two things, it led, and I'm talking specifically, I guess, about Giuliani and Pennsylvania lawsuits there, it led to the courts throwing out lawsuits um, from the Trump administration about procedural illegalities that should have should have not been thrown out. They were valid lawsuits, but because the narrative was mixed, the narrative about illegal procedures was mixed with generalizations about um, vulnerability for fraud, it was impossible for judges to distinguish what was not hypothetical, but what was vulnerability and what was an actual allegation of lawbreaking. And so Bill Barr is correct in the sense that President Trump did not communicate that well. Um, he didn't communicate it well at all. And it's actually led us to where we are right now, that we're, that we're leading up to the midterms and we haven't solved these issues with election integrity because of the way that the Trump administration communicated this. And all this being said, the reason that I'm talking about this is because I don't know if President Trump is going to run for Republican nominee in 2024. I think he probably will. He's certainly signaled that. I think it's possible that he continues to signal that he will run in 2024 just so that he remains the kingmaker of the Republican Party and just so the mainstream media listen to everything he said. I think that's a very valid possibility. But I think he will run in 2024 if, if, if all signs remain pointed the way that they are right now. But this is what I would advise Trump leading into that primary and then leading into the general election. I would advise the president, the former president, the 45th president, I would advise him, don't stop talking about election integrity. There are Republicans who, who are telling you, shush, stop, don't, don't speak about that. People will call you a conspiracy theorist. It's a turnoff to voters. And that's very bad advice. Don't stop talking about election integrity. In fact, it's very important that we address this. But when you speak about election integrity, be nuanced. And when I say be nuanced, I'm not talking about couching it or caveating 
anything you say. I'm talking about be very detailed, be very precise, be very, very scrupulously accurate. Even if that means that it doesn't create the same zinger tweet that the allegation of vulnerability to fraud might. Be very detailed, very precise, very accurate. Differentiate between procedural illegality that we have proof happened versus vulnerability for fraud. They both need to be addressed, but they must be addressed separately. And this is, by the way, what Bill Barr should have said to President Trump. He shouldn't, he shouldn't necessarily write a book where he's just trashing Trump. But Bill Barr is a perfect example of someone who, it, it's a little bit of a head scratcher to me, actually, that someone who is as legally sharp as Barr doesn't make that differentiation himself. I find it honestly kind of surprising that he can't say like, yeah, Trump didn't communicate it well, but here are the two aspects of, of election integrity that we should be focused on. One, there's actual proof happened, and the other one, there's vulnerability for fraud, which is bad enough. It's surprising to me that instead of doing that, that Barr would jump to the election wasn't stolen, you know, Trump just lost it. That's actually very surprising to me. And on that score, Bill Barr is what I would consider to be entirely incorrect, entirely incorrect and inaccurate. But again, this conversation based on this report the Democrats obviously don't want me to talk about it. They don't want you to hear about it. They don't want us to discuss this. They don't want the American people to know about this. And so they're happy about what's happening in Ukraine. Not necessarily the death, but they're happy that it's a crisis of enormous proportions because otherwise we'd be focusing on this. There's a, a defendant, a January 6th defendant who's been in prison for the past year has killed himself. He committed suicide in prison. He was facing 20 years in prison. And the reason that he killed himself is, I mean, it's tragic when anyone commits suicide, but this is, this is truly tragic. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. But first, I wanna talk to you about Beam Organics. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain? mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity, and that sleeping less than six to seven hours per night is linked to reduced white blood cell count. Now, not many people realize this, but having a consistent nighttime routine is so important to a healthy body. Now, a better tomorrow starts tonight. So let me introduce you Beam Dream. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand with unique products for everything from sleep to recovery. And today, you, my listeners and viewers, get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product. It's called Dream Powder. It's their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. It contains natural sleep-promoting premium ingredients. It's been triple lab tested and you wake up refreshed. 98% of people surveyed fall asleep faster when taking Beam Dream and 99% of people experience better sleep quality. All you have to do is you just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk. You stir it and you enjoy it 30 minutes before bedtime and it's very tasty. So for a limited time, get 20% off when you go to beamorganics.com slash Liz and use my promo code Liz at checkout. That is B-E-A-M organics.com slash Liz and use promo code L-I-Z for 20% off at checkout. So this man's name is Matthew Perna. He's a January 6th defendant and he killed himself. He was facing 20 years in prison and if you look at his obituary on the funeral home website, it's really sad. His family wrote that he died of a broken heart. They said the justice system killed his spirit and his zest for life. And how heartbreaking is that? I mean, I read this and I just thought, oh my word, what did he do? Well, the obituary goes on to say that 
Perna did enter the Capitol on January 6th because the police opened a door for him. He was within the velvet ropes inside the Capitol building, and he did take pictures. Um, He did not hurt anyone. He committed no acts of violence. He did not break anything. So he was facing 20 years in prison for being in a restricted area, even though the police opened the door and ushered him in, and he committed no acts of violence. He was deprived of due process. He was deprived of his constitutional rights. This is an abuse of the criminal justice system. And what's funny is that the left and the Democrats who hijacked the Black Lives Matter movement to claim that our criminal justice system is inherently institutionally corrupt and evil and to call for essentially abolishing our criminal justice system and rioting and looting, by the way, our cities um, to get their message across, they have nothing to say about this. This, this should be headline news. This should be something that's sparking conversation across the whole country, but it's not. This is why the left likes what's happening in Ukraine. They love what's happening in Ukraine because they don't have to have these conversations. The same with the Roe v. Wade bill that's in Congress. This bill, every single Democrat in the United States Senate, except Joe Manchin, every single Democrat, except Manchin, voted in favor of legalizing abortion up until the moment of birth that's nine months, in all nine months of pregnancy for any reason, and prohibited a state from banning abortion at any point in the pregnancy for any reason. All, all, that, all that states are, or all that um, a doctor has to do in order to justify a late-term abortion for any reason is claim that it might be a mental health burden for the mother. And like, this, this is so shocking. So shocking that every single Democrat in the U.S. Senate except Manchin voted in favor of this. The American people hate this. The American people are totally opposed to this. Not just pro-lifers. I'm talking everyone. Democrats, Republicans, liberals, conservatives, pro-abortion folks, pro-life folks. Everyone's opposed to this. We're not talking about it because the Democrats are obsessed with Ukraine and Russia. This is why they like crises. Because they use crises to ignore, ignore stories they don't want you to hear and to sneak past, to sneak past you, sneak their agenda past you in a way that they hope won't notice, uh, that you won't notice. Also, at any time that something doesn't go the way the left wants it to go, they, they like to ignore it. They like to completely ignore it. Down in Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, and you can criticize him for a lot of different things, but he's been, he's been decent on this. Um, Governor Greg Abbott directed the department, the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services to investigate cases of possible child abuse as related to sex change surgery. So he's essentially referring for prosecution parents and doctors and teachers and social workers, anybody who facilitated a trans, a surgical transition for a minor child, uh, gender transition for a minor, ch- minor child. This is what he wrote in his letter. He said, it's already against the law to subject Texas children to a wide variety of elective procedures for gender transitioning, including reassignment surgeries that can cause sterilization, mastectomies, removals of otherwise healthy body parts, and administration of puberty-blocking drugs um, or doses of testosterone or estrogen. Texas law imposes reporting requirements upon all licensed professionals who have direct contact with children who may be subject to such abuse, including doctors, nurses, and teachers, and provides criminal penalties for failure to report such child abuse. There are similar reporting requirements and criminal penalties for members of the general public. Ooh, the impetus is now, or the uh, the onus is now put on if you even see a child that's been transitioned. Texas law, he says, also imposes a duty 
on the Department of Family and Protective Services to investigate the parents of a child who is subjected to these abusive gender transitioning procedures and on, and, and on other state agencies to investigate licensed facilities where such procedures may occur. Now, the reason that this is important is because this is, this is exactly what we should be doing. What is this? I talk about this often. This is Governor Abbott playing offense. He is not just banning a procedure. He's not just condemning a procedure. He's saying, if you engage in this, we will take offense against you. We will prosecute you. We will protect these children from child abuse. And the left, of course, you don't even see too many headlines from the left. They're not even in their, in their typical outraged way talking about how this is an attack on transgender kids. No, no, they don't want you to know about this because they know that the vast majority of parents, and it doesn't matter your politics, again, the vast majority of parents are in agreement with Abbott that transitioning, surgically mutilating a child or chemically castrating a child um, because they suffer from gender dysphoria is child abuse. The left doesn't want you to know about this. This is why, my friends, the left really does love what's happening in Ukraine. They really, really do. They don't necessarily love the death, but they are totally fine exploiting a, a crisis, a war even, mass casualties, if they can use it to help further their radical leftist agenda. All of, all of these things today are just a smattering, a few examples of how they do this. Never let them fool you. Never let them pull the wool over your eyes and never stop, never stop talking about what actually matters. What actually matters. I'm not saying Russia and Ukraine don't matter. I'm saying what's happening in our country also matters. Don't let the left allow you to forget that. Um, we have a brand new Locals VIP that joined on Tuesday, who also joined on Tuesday and then participated in our live stream where we all hung out. We had a watch party for the State of the Union. This is young Trey. Um, Trey, it was so delightful to have you participate. Um, you had a lot of great comments, which I remember. It was fun to hang out with you. Thank you for joining and being a Locals VIP. Um, everyone, please join us on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. It's lizwheelershow.com slash Locals. Um, as usual, if there is a promo code. You can still use SOTU, State of the Union. Um, or you can use promo code Pfizer. My team is telling me in my ear. That actually makes a lot more sense since we talked about Pfizer. Promo code Pfizer to get one month free on your annual subscription. One month free. We're going to talk more about Pfizer. We're going to talk more about COVID. We're going to talk more about childhood vaccinations over on the Liz Wheeler Show on Locals this week. You don't want to miss that. Sign up now. Use promo code Pfizer at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production. <laughs>